Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 79 O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the air for food, the flesh of your faithful to the wild animals of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealous wrath burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you, on the the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste to its habitation. Do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins, for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you. According to your great power, preserve those who those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the bosom of our neighbors the taunts with which they taunted you, O Lord. Then we, your people, the flock of your pasture, We'll give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will count, we will recount your praise. Micah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. In days to come, in the, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised up above the hills. People shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Revelation chapter 15 Then I saw another portent in heaven, great and amazing, Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is ended. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the Nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. 
All nations will come and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. After this I looked, and the temple of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues, robed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes across their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were ended. Good morning and welcome to the first Monday of Advent. Welcome to the new Christian year. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from North Yarmouth, Maine. And the readings come to us from Psalm 79, Micah 4, and Revelation 15. And we've been reading Revelation. It's kind of um, accompanied us through the transition from ordinary time after Pentecost and the end of the liturgical year through Advent, which marks the new liturgical year. Um, and you might recognize Micah 4. Um, there's this really uh, popular, I don't know, part of Isaiah, which comes up earlier in Isaiah, which matches some of Micah, where it talks about um, beating our swords into plowshares, etc., um, and Micah and Isaiah were actually contemporaries. They both lived at the same time. Isaiah was born uh, several years before Micah, and Micah died before Isaiah died. So Micah's life like con- occurred all within the life of a- Isaiah. Um, and so I'm not sure, you know, if if one copied from another. Um, it's it's possible that you know it was just something that you know. People said at the time, maybe there's a really popular hymn that they were singing. Um, I'm not really sure, but um, it is really well known. It's subject of a bunch of paintings and theological discourse. Um, And that is because it kind of points to um, what we can look forward to next. Uh, The consensus in Christian circles is that you know, Jesus will come again and usher in a thousand-year peace. And Jesus is coming, which means, or, or is uh, the word, that's what the word Advent means. Um, he has already come once. Uh, that's where we get our Gospels and all the fun stuff that happened there. But also his Advent, his arrival, is still being awaited and has been since he uh, ascended into the clouds. The early church was confident that Jesus was just going to be gone for a little while and then he would come back. And so a lot of the the back and forth, the, the theological debates about what does it mean to be a Christian were different because, you know, who has time to, like, give a crap about this? Jesus is coming back. What the, what the church did not know then, and we know now, is that Jesus is not coming back right away. But the point of instilling that in us keeps us on our toes and this is also a very jewish idea um the idea that at any moment you know any moment might be your last any moment might be the time which you meet your maker and to spend your last moment uh, which is every moment every moment as your last um that would the effect of that would be to 
help you be a good person. Um, because there's a strain of thought in Judaism that you know you're that you were only judged for your last deed. And the rabbis said, well, live every day as if it's your last, every moment as if it's your last. The effect of that would be you're a good person because you're always waiting for you know something to happen. You know, choke on a M&M, you know, you're hit by a, a freight train and then you meet God. Well, your last moment better be uh, you having done something good so you can go to the good place. Um, and so that's kind of the idea behind Advent and Jesus is coming again, that we don't know when it's going to happen. But we we are called to always expect that it's going to happen right away. Um, Christmas, or I'm sorry, Advent, the season of Advent, is that season that reminds us to do that. To always be expecting that at any point, Jesus will come again. Um, and so we, we are filled with this anticipation. And when Jesus comes again, a lot of interesting things will happen. Revelation records what some Christians think will happen. Um, I'm, I'm not as confident that that describes what is going to happen so much as a hyperbolic description of what was happening at the time. And that will be true of any age that, you know, kings and um, power and uh, beasts and immorality, like that's always going to be there. Um, but in Micah, it, Micah is one of those places that we turn to typically in Christianity to remind us what it's going to be like. And it has particular resonance with military service because civilians largely think that every soldier kills um, and that every every grunt is an infantryman and et cetera, et cetera. And that's unfortunate because um, civilians typically have some bias about soldiers based on this ill-conceived idea that every soldier kills. Um, and I say that because if you believe that, if you're a civilian or, I don't know, maybe you're a soldier or a veteran, think that every soldier kills, I don't know, um, then the reading from Micah, which is mirrored in Isaiah man, I want to say Isaiah 3, but I'm not positive, that um, when the, the time comes for Jesus to come again, God will judge between all the people and arbitrate between nations. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The nation won't lift up the sword against nation and they will not learn any war anymore. So war will become obsolete. And there's nonprofits, there's books, you know, that carry this title, Spears into Pruning Hooks, Swords into Plowshares. Um, and it is, I mean, it's an important element of what it means to be a Christian, that this violence that the world is known for and has been known for since Cain, um, that it will fade away. That with God here with us, um, which is another element of Advent and Christmas, that when God is here, there will be no need for all of that junk because um, God will arbitrate. We won't have to get into petty squabbles because we don't get what we want. Um, and it's a reminder. And I'm, I, I, as I as I write my next book. Um, oh, I'll, I'll mention that at the end. But 
as I'm writing, I, I am reminded that I want to be sympathetic and remind soldiers and veterans that they have worth. And some soldiers and veterans hold on to the idea that violence can be justified and that if it's justified, it means that you haven't done something wrong and that cannot be further from the truth. Violence is not justified. It is, it's something wrong, just like stealing from your sister. Um, and that telling yourself that you don't have to repent or seek forgiveness or reconciliation is a, an incredibly insidio insidious lie. Because if you think you've done nothing wrong, you'll never change your ways. You'll never say sorry. Um, and that deprives you of the opportunity of being with Jesus in this other world. Um, and I know a lot of enough soldiers and veterans who want to believe that their violence was justified or is justified. And there's a difference between saying um, soldiers are complicated and um, God loves soldiers and God is in war, whether, you know, regardless of what happens, there's a, an important but fine difference between that and saying that God approves of or um, allows with, you know, with a smile on his face, some of these things that we do in God's name. And I don't think that's true. Um, I think that this passage is a reminder that there, that the, the bathwater of humanity is this violence. Uh, we don't want to throw out soldiers and veterans just because of what they've done. We don't want to assume every single soldier has done something wrong. Um, but some soldiers, myself included, have done something wrong. We have killed. And we do need to recognize that as something wrong, something that will not accompany us into the hereafter, um, and that we have to confront within ourselves um, and before uh, our community. Um, and so the the passage always makes me think of, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian soldier? What does it mean that God loves soldiers, but that violence is, is you know, a bridge too far, at least in the, you know, post-Christian era? Um, and it's difficult. I mean, a lot of very good soldiers and veterans think that it's okay or think that what we did in as a group and individually in Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Korea, Europe, that it's okay because X, Y, Z. And as soon as we start saying because, we start rationalizing our own behaviors. We become self-righteous. And that's, that's uh, one of the most important errors that we need to notice, um, is that we're not uh, always right, that we might be wrong. In fact, we're often wrong. Um, and the things that we hold on to um, are the things that God typically, you know, takes from us and breaks apart um, so that we stop having some of these idols. And violence is one of those things. Um, you know, the in the in the reading at swords, that's a stand-in, you know, in modern terms for rifles, firearms, cannons, stuff like that. Um, and so I think it's an important reminder for soldiers and veterans that some of what we do, namely violence, um, is is not justifiable. That if we do it, it's because we we had 
only bad choices or, or bad options. Um, and as soon as we get to a place where uh, we've been removed from the violence, then we should talk to God and one another about it and admit that what it is or, or what it has done and what it's doing in us and our lives, but also the lives of others that we affect. Um, and it may, it may seem like pie in the sky that God will beat our swords and our rifles into plowshares. Um, that, you know, we may not, we may not think that that is coming soon, but that's precisely what Advent is about, is being reminded, um, living into the reality that at any moment we might, you know, we might be caught up into the sky as it talks about elsewhere in Revelation. Um, that we do live every day as though it's our last, and to be vigilant about the things that we do that will keep us from God and separate us from one another, like violence. Violence isn't the only one, um, but it's one of the ones that's that's you know it's a whole category um, that we have to be constantly um, on guard against in our hearts, not just you know, with our bodies, like putting on Kevlar vests and stuff, but we have to be self-aware. We have to be willing to beat our chests and in weeping and, and lamentation that um, we've done something wrong because at any moment, uh, Advent reminds us that we might be called to account. And if we have held on to our mistakes and held, held on to these, the rationalizing that we do, then we are endangering our, you know, our eternal soul, um, and that is even worse than doing something wrong. Is doing something wrong and refusing to let it go, um, because if if you refuse to let it go, God will, you know, God will take that from you, and it won't be it won't be incredibly fun. A prayer for peace among the nations, from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, guide the nations of the world into the way of justice and truth, and establish among them that peace which is the fruit of righteousness, that they may become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.